Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, uh, Mark Anthony Rossi. We're on to the classic spotlight again, and this will be episode number 64, and we're going to be dealing with uh, Shirley Jackson. Now, Shirley Jackson is, uh, in many in many regards, uh, an extremely interesting uh, writer, not only for her achievements, but also for who she was and how she went about things. Uh, terribly more interesting and dramatic than even some of the other folks that we have talked about in, in the recent past, okay? Uh, she's an American writer, obviously a, a woman, uh, born in San Francisco, all right? She uh, later went on to Syracuse. That was the college she went to. She joined a literary magazine. That's where she started writing. It's also where she met her husband, who was a literary critic, uh, Stanley Hyman. And then they moved to Vermont, and that's where they stayed, and that's where she wrote uh, for, until, until she died of, of a heart attack. At the young age of uh, 48. Okay. Now, Shirley Jackson. We all know her from the most famous story, The Lottery. And we'll talk about that. But a lot of people don't know much about her life or, or some of the other work she did. And, and that's what makes her extremely interesting is because even though she's known for the horror work that she did, she's done a great amount of work. And, and, and a lot of family stuff, and a lot of humor stuff. So... She's an interesting character to have humor. Uh, most of the times, uh, the more serious writers, especially um, um, the ones we've talked about, um, uh, Alex Huxley and George Orwell, uh, James Baldwin, who had the humor in person uh, as a charming person in, 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 you know, in, in, in life, but it wasn't doing anything kind of humor in, in writing at all. And neither is any of those other writers that we have gone through so far. She, on the other hand, actually had an active... Uh, humor life and active writing humor life so we'll talk a little bit about that as well definitely makes her interesting now let us start this way regarding um shirley jackson okay and you guys already know me and i'm not very political and i'm not really a knee-jerk person I don't, a lot of times i hear these uh, complaints and, and stuff and a lot of times it just seems to be excuses but in her case it's real to say that she didn't face uh, sexism and, and, and undue criticism for her work is, is beyond belief because I read <laughs> the letters that she got and I read uh, the, the remarks that other editors and publishers had made. So there was no doubt about it that this was not the kind of work they were expecting from her. It seemed like she could never, ever get anything positive from from the publics and the industry or, or, or even magazines. They always seemed to want something else. First, she shouldn't write any horror because that's not exactly what a woman should do. I don't know. Apparently, you have to be a, a guy in, in, in a shack with a, with, a, with a hatchet or something. Otherwise, you, you can't write because you're a woman and you're a mother and you have children. It's crazy. Then, then later on, she gets successful with that and um, you can't write family stuff. Uh, that's what the feminist was telling her. You're, going, you're setting us back 300 years. Come on now. Stick with the other things. Don't worry about your family. So she wrote some some novels about her family, and we'll talk about that. Um, 
you can't write anything too tough like the lottery. You can't. Uh, it's just unbelievable. The, the, like I said, whatever she turned around, it, she couldn't write something correctly according to these folks. Thankfully, as as much as she heard what they had to say, and I know it hurt her because the kind of person she was, um, she still didn't let her stop her. So that that's really where where courage comes in and what makes her so uh, astounding under that type of pressure. I mean, even her husband at one point was getting jealous of her because. I think he wrote like two novels and they, they, they did okay, but they never really got off the ground. They certainly didn't make an international sensation like she has, and she did back then. So definitely beyond uh, anything he would have expected. And he knew that she was a great writer. It's just I guess he didn't expect that she was going to take off before him or stay bigger than him. At one point, she was the breadwinner in terms of bringing in the most money. As I know that he taught in the college there in town as well, you know, but... Compared to the money that she was making, that's that was nothing. Okay, all right. So let us talk about the first thing that is very interesting about Shirley uh, Shirley Jackson is Shirley Jackson. If you see any of her photographs, she's not an ugly person. Okay, but she would get comments about this all the time. You're too fat. You don't look good. Your hair's messed up. I mean, men don't hear these kind of things because you go over them and, and 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 beat the heck out of them for saying something dumb. Women, on the other hand, are supposed to take this. The horrible, cruel thing about these kind of comments is they wasn't coming from publishers or literary agents or magazine editors. They wasn't even coming from fans. You know where they were coming from? Her own mother. And as we go on through this show, you're going to find a woman, Shirley Jackson, tormented by her own mother. You know, you shouldn't have married a Jewish guy. Uh, you should fix your hair. You should be thinner. You should be more stylish. You shouldn't write crazy horror stuff. It's not exactly a, a, a ladylike thing to do. I mean, and I don't mean just in the beginning of her going to college or after she graduates or after she gets married or after she has kids or after she becomes a success. I mean her entire life. That's all she got was phone calls and letters from a persecuting mother uh, of the worst kind. I, I, I couldn't believe some of the things that I read. I just, I still can't believe it. Why she even stayed in contact with this woman is beyond me. I would have cut her off a long time ago. Because I'm like, I don't need this nonsense. The world's hard enough place without having your own mother beat you up. But that's what she did. This had a dramatic impact on Shirley Jackson. In terms of her uh, life, her mental state, you know, her psychological well-being. Definitely the way she raised her children with a lot of humor and a lot of fun. They seem to have a lot of wonderful things to say about her. She's a very uh, uh, very good mother. And I think probably she probably took extra steps for that because of the kind of monster of a mother that she had. No doubt about that. But um, it had an effect on her. So when, when people, and you hear this a lot. Oh, yeah, Shirley Jackson wrote those incredible novels and short stories and everything because she was pretty much a bit loony herself. It's not very accurate. And and to me, uh, it, it girds underneath all of that a, a type of sexism. Like I said, I'm not a knee-jerk person, but that's the only way I can look at it because no one's saying that about Edgar Allan Poe or all the other writers. Has anyone said that about Stephen King? You know, he must secretly be crazy. I, I have to wonder about him. I mean, no. He's just a dude that writes a lot of horror stuff. That, that's all she was, a lady that was doing that and doing it a whole lot better than anybody else. Quite frankly, I don't think there was another horror writer that came out of from her since probably Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, that, that's how long it was. I mean, many of the ones that came afterwards, including Stephen King and Richard Matheson and a number of them, they, they give credit to her. 
and the work that she did to help propel them and get them interested in that field. So uh, she was not just a, a master at it, she was the leader and in many cases a gigantic inspiration for all kinds of people who, who were men doing this. So no one cared about that, thankfully. But you still hear that and you heard that a lot back then, you still hear that now, you know. So sometimes people mention her and they punctuate that, yeah. She's probably a bit of a loon bird or something, but you'll find out that that came out. She did have mental illness. It came out much, much later in her life, well after many of these things were written. So was was she a frustrated person, an unhappy person dealing with, you know, um, a difficult marriage where she had a husband that was cheating on her like every five minutes? You know, and then they have to deal with kids and, 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 and writing and, and a crazy mother who's beating you up all the time. Yeah, I, I'm sure that has a lot of a lot of undue influence on a person, and I definitely think it, it, it certainly added to her serious, more serious mental issues later on in her life. But she was able to write and deal with all of these things for quite some time. They might have even had an impact. I'm certain for one thing: the lottery. We all know that story. It's an incredible story. It's believed by both of her biographers. There's a more recent biography that came out. The other first one that came out was kind of it was more interested in some of the the supernatural elements and and and, and the fact that she seemed to have a, a genuine fascination in witchcraft and and they talked a bit about that. The next one talked more about her personal and her emotional and psychological life, her marriage, her children, the writing, and all that. But both of them do say that um, she tried to intermingle socially with her husband at the college area in Vermont where they were at. But um, she found them to be nasty, cruel people. And uh, a part of the inspiration of those people came out from the lottery. So uh, everyone believes that's the case. Both barbers believe that's the case. Uh, I didn't even know that until I did some research into her about that particular issue. Makes sense to me now from what she was going through. And then what that story did, I wound up rewriting, rereading it again. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, see, I see the parallels. So that's definitely not a lottery. Okay. It's published in the New Yorker. Her husband actually was doing editing for that magazine at the time. Okay. Not since the lottery, nothing before and nothing after, more than 50 years later, actually I think 70 years later, from this story was published in the, in the New Yorker, has there ever been a response to a, a, piece of, a piece of work written by someone. The most mail they ever received in the history of that magazine because of the lottery a great deal of it negative. People called her a devil worshiper. They said she wasn't ladylike. They intimated that, you know, maybe she uh, was sleeping with other people and, and, and not being faithful in marriage. That's why she had to be crazy. I mean, they were just saying all kinds of stuff, an enormous amount of bad things. Very few of it. I think it was like 10% of it was like anything positive. Everything was negative. Some people even thought what she was saying was real and was really happening in the town that she was talking about. Almost like that War of the Worlds thing from Orson Orson Welles, you know, when they, he did the radio show, next thing you know, people committing suicide and looking for guns to shoot aliens that are not coming. So some people actually believe that was the case. Incredible. It is considered, and this is what I find even more fascinating than anything else, okay? The lottery is considered to be the most well-known short story of the 20th century. That's leaps and beyond anybody. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe is known for incredible stories, and O. Henry, and there's a lot of them, a lot of them out there. This is the most well-known. 
So it's, in, it's incredible. It really is. But it had such an impact. It is so scary and it is so deep, so original. That's really the way I like about it the most. You know, nothing derivative about that. No, no borrowing themes, no various themes, no anything. It's just original. And I think that's what it makes it so, so compelling to read and, and to think about. And like, wow, that's just something else. I'm telling you, it takes Lord of the Flies in another direction. And that's not even a, a similar theme, but it has an idea of, you know, that controlling of a, of a society and whittling it down for whatever reason. So amazing. Now, Shirley Jackson, uh, even though she wrote a number of novels, and we'll talk about more of that, and, and over 200 of these short stories, and got a lot of them published, okay? She only won one award in her entire, uh, her entire career. She won the Edgar Allan Poe Award, ironically, in 1959 for Louisa Please, okay? And that was also the year, 1959, when she published The Haunting of Hill House. A number of movies is made with it. One, one was made last year. It was a big success. It is considered uh, to be uh, one of the best supernatural stories ever written. And remember, this is not just the 20th century. They mean ever written, like ever written on the planet Earth. That's that's how incredible that that book is to many people. It's considered the, her her biggest her biggest novel, and and really made her the most in terms of uh, publicity and money. I don't know why I never won any award though, but nevertheless, who knows? You just never know with these things. Remember, she was facing a lot of stuff, you know. She was very interesting in the sense that many, many writers didn't really spend so much time uh, being part of the family. Because remember, this woman was also a wife and a mother of four children. And she was doing this kind of work, four children. Most of them wanted to become bad parents if they even got involved at all. But... Not Shirley Jackson. She wanted to be an excellent parent. She wrote two, and this is where people started getting mad at her, especially the feminists, because at one point they were considering her the proto-feminist writer, blah, blah, blah. Because that's the problem with ideologies, folks, even feminism. It's, it's an ideology in itself. The minute it goes off track into something more real, they get mad. If it sticks to the narrative they want, then you're, you're a genius. Otherwise, you're, you're a dummy. So she put out two books, they were humorous. They were about her uh, family life. She fictionalized them, but they were still kind of in the memoir state. So there was some real in there as well as not. First one, 1953, was Life Among Savages. Again, about raising her family. And then 1957, Raising Demons. <laughs> so both of these are directly about you know, raising children, having all the humor and all the strangeness and all that. Apparently, she, it, it kept her grounded and, and kept her positive in the world. I mean, I think it's safe to say... We've seen a number of writers. Uh, Kafka comes right to mind as somebody that's literally saying in his letters, God, I wish I didn't get married. God, I wish I could just run away from this wife. God, I want to kill everybody at work because they're all idiots. I just want to write and leave me alone. And there was a lot of writers that had those feelings. Uh, this is the woman that literally, in many ways, uh, the family probably saved her in terms of her psychological well-being, uh, maybe even from suicide. I mean, I think that the family saved her and it kept her writing. Kept her going when, when in many ways, she was a, a, a miserable wreck in, in terms of her outlook on things. Now, Shirley Jackson sort of did the same thing with The Haunting of Hill House. And she had a few other stories that had to do with houses. 
she did the same thing a lot of people did with these haunted houses is, is she kind of made them a character and, and sort of put some of her personal, uh, you know, uh, I guess you can say tribulations in there. So you could see in that story about, you know, the, the unhappy uh, marriage and, 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 you know, ungrateful family. And, you know, and when I mean that, I mean more like her, her mother, not, not her children. But nevertheless, a lot of that's in there. And so it, it becomes a part of the, uh, of, of the story in many instances. And this is what a lot of people did in these stories. It, it kind of makes it the character, so to speak. And she was no different than that. But because she could write so emotional and she could write so dramatic, I don't, I don't necessarily say it's just because she's a woman. This is what she chose to do. It, it, it makes that story, that novel, stand out that much more than than um, than other ones. Because I, I think oftentimes many other haunted house stories are really just focusing on some supernatural elements or maybe the house itself and, and just the plot and the creepiness. They're not really talking too much about you know the emotional life of characters or if the characters even have too much background at all. She put a whole lot more in that, and, and so it makes it a, a lot more of a real experience, and therefore a lot more scarier ex experience. And it's probably why that that book has has lasted this long, and how they're always trying to do something with it. They try to make a play out of it. They did a couple movies out of it, so they did some stuff out of it. And it, it, it's a, a pretty amazing uh, uh, novel about a, a haunted house. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. Now. One of the very interesting things I felt about uh, Shirley Jackson is that even though she wrote a family memoir, fictionalized things with some humor, she did that. Uh, she wrote a, a, a few other home, uh, a few other uh, scary type stories, and many, many short stories. Apparently, even though she did the novels, she did many, many short stories. And in fact, over two hundred. A lot of them got published. It wasn't until she died years later that they they put out a couple of collections of these. And her, her uh, children, uh, both of them became writers, uh, two of the four. And they put out a, um, and edited a book called Just an Ordinary Day in 1997. Many years after she died. But um, what's going on? People dying in 1965 when I'm born. I'm telling you. Alice Huxley died a few months before I was born. And then Shirley Jackson died a few months after I was born in 1965. Come on, folks. Stop dying, huh? Miss Jackson, once she got later in life, she developed some kind of a nervous breakdown and had to be institutionalized for a while. And um, when she came out, she came out better and tried to rededicate herself. At the time that, uh, of her death, she was already working simultaneously on two novels. Later on, they released those, and I think her family helped finish those out. Um, but she died of a heart attack. She, she was way too heavy of a smoker. That never stopped for her. And she she had grew overweight over time when she got older, and I think those things, you know, along with her, you know, the stress and everything, uh, eventually did her in. What I what I found it fascinating about her is even though she has all these different themes that she's writing about, and even though she's tackling all these incredible these incredible issues in in her life, she still seemed to have a, a happy-go-lucky sense about her. From, from the, the writing in the journals, you could see from her journals particularly some of the things she was trying to do. There was ways that she was trying to use them as therapy to try to help herself and whatever she had learned from you know, going to a, a therapy at, at a certain extent. 
it, it's sad that she was kind of trapped in, in, in the unhappy marriage that she was. She never left it, even though she kept threatening to do so. Who knows if that might have been healthier for her or not. It's hard to know. Because it's always easy to say, leave the guy. But you don't know if that puts somebody in greater you know, emotional jeopardy uh, than if they stay in an in a unhappy marriage. So you just don't really know, especially when their health is on the balance. Some dramatic changes like that could be worse rather than better. So it's hard for me to make some kind of you know quick um, judgment over here and sitting in a chair doing a show, but um, I can say definitely though, from from her journals and her letters and, and from other people that that did know her that it did have an impact. It had to. Have. I mean, if you had a she had a, a crazy evil mother being negative for, her for all these years, I, I can't see how you know um, you know an emotionally uh, abusive uh, you know neglectful husband that's that supposed to be helpful. So I'm sure that definitely had an impact on her. I guess in many ways, if you think about it, she had a very she had a very normal a woman life in terms of a marriage. It's not always so good raising kids and, and dealing with all of that. She just had that extra part of her life where she she was an incredible, a great writer up there with with all the greats, the people that you're going to remember. You got to remember her, no doubt about that. I remember reading uh, the lottery. When I was, let me see, uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. I would put it around like, let me see, 1981. I think that would put it around 1981, yep, that I read the, the lottery. And it was just, it was mesmerizing. It really was. But you know what? It really stung out more than anything else. Not the uniqueness of the story, which did. And of course, you know, the grim, uh, you know, ending which certainly did but uh, it still stood up as wow this is like one of the few female writers that you ever read there wasn't too many you know if you think about a female writer that did horror you got to go back to the 1800s with mary shelley and frankenstein just to even find one and she really wasn't even trying to write a horror story to her it was more about an ethical science type story and what she was trying to do and, and then just, you know, the the basic uh, roots of prejudice and stuff. I mean, that, that's what she was trying to do, really. She wasn't really trying to make a horror story. She never really did any horror after that, you know. So, and I don't mean to exclude her. I just don't find her as interesting as Shirley Jackson. But you, you have to go back that far just to be thinking of another woman that did anything like this. I mean, and quite frankly, after Shirley Jackson, in terms of any women, I think... Octavia Butler is probably the next one I would think of. And that's, God, that's in the, in the 70s, well after she died. Well after she died. And, and and she really wasn't horror. She was just more science fiction and some cultural stuff, but mostly science fiction. But I find her very interesting myself, uh, Octavia Butler. And I think down the line, we're going to definitely do a, a, a show on her because I, I really like what she was trying to do and, Another one that, you know, died earlier from, from, from poor health, you know, but a, a different, a different type of lifestyle than, than, than Shirley Jackson. But I, she just stands out still as, as, as a woman. I always find that fascinating before it was even like mentioned to me. I remember mentioning to the teacher, yeah, we haven't seen one like her before. And even the teacher's like, yeah, there's not too many. And he really wasn't. You, you, I think you can count on your hands. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of classical writers from the 1800s that you know that came out, and and of course poets too. You know, you know Emery Bronte and 
you know, we got uh, uh, Laura Ingalls from the Little House and Prairie series, and you, you got, uh, uh, of course, the poets like Ann Sexton and, you know, all that. But um, there's still a small group. It's not it's not very large. So, I mean, but she towers uh, uh, among everyone, you know, men and women in, in this in this field. So we got to definitely take our hats off to her. And, and if you haven't read any of that stuff for her at all, if you haven't remembered reading the lottery, go back to read it again. You can read it free on the internet. You know, or pick up The Haunting of the Hill House and you'll you'll find out to be a very interesting and, and amazing. If you just want to read some humorous stuff about family life and everything, you got that uh, Life Among Savages and, and Raising Demons. Both of them still in print. Incredibly enough. More than 50 years later. So to be able to span all these different genres and, and different styles. And then, of course, you know, tackle all the different things in her life is something else. And she was not political at all. I mean, she never wrote about that. She seemed to just be only interested in, in, in people. She was fascinated with people. She was fascinated with the family life. You know, I think in many ways she, she was miserable in that marriage. So some of this stuff was a way for her to escape. You know, sometimes people read these stories for escapism. And other times <laughs> a writer like her is writing them for escapism. So... She's doing like practically the same thing the reader's doing. I'm just, hate this place. Let me write this. I mean, and and, and of course, uh, achieving an enormous success. But Shirley Jackson was not, well, not like James Baldwin, the last one we had done. She's not the go go the go outgoing person. I mean, other than uh, trying to meet some of those townspeople, the husband I, it might have been the last time she did anything serious like that. She was not the social butterfly. Didn't really care. Don't know if those horrible words from her mother held her back, believing that, you know, she was too fat or too ugly, too this, too that. Have you ever saw any folks, uh, any pictures of her? Not ugly at all. So I don't know if those had an impact on her or she just didn't want to want to talk to people and was not shy because she definitely was interested in people and had an enormous amount of insight in people. That is another thing about her writing you're going to find out. If you read anything that she's doing that... She was really on the money about people. She was not writing from fear or paranoia. You might have dealt with those things from time to time, but she she knew about people and, and how they can act and how realistically they're portrayed in, in her books and in her short stories. There's, there's no doubt about that. She had a, a good idea about people, about personalities, about reading people, the human condition. She, she had that knowledge, no doubt about that. Why? She wasn't able to or wasn't willing to, you know, deploy this knowledge and this insight when you when she's going out there talking to people. I don't know. It's hard to believe. I mean, she was successful enough. So I guess she didn't have to care, care too much about impressing anybody, agents or otherwise. I don't even think she could about any of that stuff. She just did what she had to do, and you know, and they, and they were they were generally happy. Although the publisher didn't like these. Uh, fiction family memoirs thing because they wanted to just to stick to the stuff that was selling but these things eventually did well for her, for her but she was beyond politics because she really cared for her that much so she really wasn't trying to write something for women or for this group uh, I'll write it for the horror people and blah blah she just wrote period put it out there it found the audience or not that's just pretty much what she did she wasn't trying to network into it. She wasn't trying to steer anything towards it. I don't even think she cared. Just did it and on to something else. 
She didn't have a long life, but I can tell you, she filled a lot of it with the writing. She was not somebody that had much downtime, you know? I think the only downtime this woman actually had was um, giving birth and, 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 the, and the healing from that and, and, and when she had to go to her institution for a little while because of a, a psychotic nervous breakdown. Other than that, that, that one was always writing. So she didn't really take much time off for that. It was just always a big part of... If she wasn't writing a story or a novel, I mean, she's writing in her journals. She kept a number of them. Um, ironically... A biographer had mentioned this, that she often kept journals in different personalities well, and gave them names. Almost like different parts of her can speak to certain different things. No one ever diagnosed her as being schizophrenic or, or you know, having multiple personality disorder or anything like that. So that's never been talked about. And we don't know if that can ever be true or not. But it's how she approached her journals, which is different than what most people do. One biographer found it creative just because um, that allowed her to tap into certain parts of herself that, that can help write some of these books. I mean, if you think about it, the part that wants to do the horror it really has no say in, 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 in the one that wants to do the fiction family memoir. I mean, there's no connection at all. One is about humor and some truth, and the other one's just simply, uh, you know, scary stuff. To, to knock people out of their seats or maybe just get them out of reality for a while and bring them to another another plane of existence, another world. So that's possibly what, that's the theory from from the biographers about it. It's certainly my theory because um, if she was exhibiting any of these sort of split personality things, we would have heard about it by now. We would have heard about it from her. From her husband, we would have heard about it from her kids probably. We probably would have heard about it from somewhere down the grapevine. You, you just can't hide that stuff forever. You really can't. Not even her, who is mostly mostly secluded, but not not in the in the strange sense of secluded. She just wasn't a big social person. Rather be with her family, right, and you know, and go to sleep. So But nevertheless, it is very curious. Did she tap into certain things? Is that possible? I don't know too many people that were doing that, but I'm told it's not entire. It's not terribly, you know, uh, unique that there's been some examples of that artistically before. So I guess maybe, maybe we might know one day, or maybe we never never know. But apparently, some of the um, the writings and, and and the musings and the dialogues and and things like that that she wrote in that journal with these various different voices. Um. She was able to almost test them out to be able to use them in, in, in writing later. So it, it was not just for the fun of doing that. Apparently she had some some artistic idea from it. And maybe that was just some special way for her to go about you know, creating these things. I, I, I wish I could tell you that I understood any of it. And uh, certainly don't practice it. And I just find it uh, terribly interesting and, and, and very curious about it. So you have to wonder. But uh, I'm not trying to slander her and I don't want to think any more her. That's one of the hard things about talking about writers in, 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 in any form of mental health is, you know, people get carried away, you know. The, the same person is going to say, I knew she was crazy. That's why she wrote those horror things, you know. But you, 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 can't, you can't put the truth aside just because you're worried about somebody, you know. It's like Martin Luther King said, you know. He goes, we, we got to talk about the bad things that we do as blacks because if we don't, we're not human then. We can't just hide them all just because we're worried about some racist is going to use it against us. It's the same thing with mental health. 
you got to talk about everything that's going on. You know, the fair-minded people, you know, they want to try to put all this in context. They're going to understand. The other ones, they're not going to understand about what you say, whether you deny it, whether you admit it. They're still going to use the same thing because that's all they want to try to understand. I don't know why she did this. She must have been nuts, you know. So you got you got to consider the source, you know. I, I say people say things like this. Maybe they're nuts because they're obviously lazy to to look at, and investigate, and try to explore anything other than just throw a label on it and go have a twinkie. That's about all those folks do. So you you can't pay them too much mind. Okay, we don't know how long she did suffer uh, from mental health issues. We just don't know. You know it. She's been creative since she was a, a kid, and um, who knows if, if it came later on with all the pressures of everything in, in her life. It definitely it was more pronounced later on because of her health declining and having to go to the institution and everything, but that was, like I said, many, many, many years afterwards from all the writing. You know, By the time that happened to her, she had already written probably the, the major bulk of her work and, and published it already. So, unless she was very good at, uh, uh, you know, uh, keeping under wraps for a while, which, again, not so easy for people to do when they have mental health issues. They're one of the worst people to hide stuff. People notice eventually. So, my guess and my best theory is, uh, you know, she had the underlings of it for quite some time and eventually, it, you know, it broke out of her later in life. That's what it, it seems to me. So, I, I don't think it had that much of an impact on her writing. Seems like her her social, you know, um, disaster she had with her husband out there in Vermont that probably had more of an impact on a lot of it than anything else that we know of. And then of just you know raising the kids and doing all that work. If anyone knows about being a parent, it'll it'll drive you a bit batty, that's for sure on, on any count. But she is definitely in a long line of of writers that had to tackle and, and deal with this issue, you know. But she's different and. In many respects, because Shirley Jackson is one of the full writers that I can think of that that had, even though it might have been a shorter life, it was a full life. I mean, she never got divorced. She got married out of college, so she stayed married her entire writing life. She had four children and raised them. None of them became bad people. Two of them became writers. They all pretty much well-adjusted kids from everything we could see. She even wrote about them, didn't ignore them. For all intents and purposes, people said that she was a wonderful mother. So, she really had a full life in many ways. I mean, she went to college, graduated from college. So, I mean, it's just, you don't have too many writers that have that kind of thing. They're able to do all of that. I know she had a breakdown towards the end, but still. I mean, she for a long time juggled all of that. And most people don't do that very well at all. It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I think over the last... Probably five or six years. I've come across more writers now that they they only got into writing after the kids left the house, or, or they got into writing after they finished their career in teaching, or you know, or, or their job and they retired. It's very common now to deal with writers much older because then they feel they have the time to do so, or maybe they feel they have the material to do so. You know what I mean? Quite frankly, you 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 you're fifty fifty five years old. If you don't have anything to write at that point in life, then you know just Take some, some cruises and drink because there's nothing more for you to do then. <laughs> if you haven't done anything in 40-something years, you're not going to do anything else, really. So that's always possible. I've always tried to make sure that I would not prejudice towards those people because I don't believe that nonsense that, 
oh, if they wasn't writing their whole life, then they just taking the easy road out and making it convenient. They just write later on when they get retired, blah, blah, blah. What's that about? It's, it's, it's a dumb thing to say. It's a dumb thing to think, okay? Because quite frankly, people are ready when they feel they're ready. You can't push them. That's first thing. Second thing is, why get mad about them? I'm, I've been writing 36 years. I mean, my, my view is that, you know, I got a lot done with it. And, and maybe they won't get as much done because they're starting much later. But they're still going to get some things done. But maybe not as much as me because I started earlier. So why to get mad at something like that? I I made the choice to do so, and they made the choice to do this. That's it. So it's all about choices. And I'm not getting mad at anybody. Are the right or wrong choices? It's hard to know. I mean, if they're not feeling they're ready until later, it, maybe it's a wrong choice to try to do something earlier just to satisfy somebody. You know, So it, it might be the best thing to do, what they do. That's why I don't I give folks a hard time. It makes no sense to do otherwise. I do know that and they're right about this. It's a lot harder to write. You know, when you have a, when you have a marriage and you have children. Because you got to take time away from those things sometimes. And you got to try to navigate those things sometimes. And sometimes those things get you sick. Or get you emotionally frustrated. Or even interfere with your concentration on what you're trying to get done. So to tackle all those things simultaneously. It's not easy. Not at all. I know some of the stresses that Shirley Jackson definitely went through, for sure, personally. So uh, that's why I don't uh, I don't mock people that, uh, wherever they start at, you know? It's almost like getting mad at somebody because they got married later than earlier. And I know about that in my experience myself, personally. I don't know what the advantage or disadvantage is. You have to do things when you're ready, okay? What's the advantage of getting married later in life? Well... You know, you probably finished college by then. Uh, you, you probably have more of an established career. You probably have a few dollars saved in the bank. You've seen a lot more in life. You've probably traveled. So you're going to be a lot more wiser and, and experienced, educated person. Those are all the pros. The cons is you're old. <laughs> you know? I quit smoking 15 years ago and I still have to exercise and play tennis and run. And just to keep up to my kids who are much younger than me. But if I can't do that, I can't even be a father then. Because they're boys. They, they're not expecting me to sit down. Tell them things. You got to go out and do stuff with them. Thank God, at my age, I still can. I know people who are 54, they they lucky they can get out of the chair. They roll out of the bed, roll onto the couch, roll into the car, roll to the store, and then roll back. I mean, everything's rolling. It's not a life. You know, I don't want to do that. And I can't do that even if I wanted to do that. So those are the, that's the trade-offs. I mean, and what's the trade-off when you do things younger? Well, hey, you don't have as much of established money or career. You might not even have finished your college or you might still be going through it. Or maybe you're going to put it off until later. You know? Yeah, sure, you can run a couple miles with the kids. But uh, again, you haven't achieved a lot of things. It's why lots of times people who marry young, they wind up getting lost later on in, in their marriage. They don't remember who they are anymore. Because they've really given so much away. They might not have completed college. They might not have seen the things they wanted to have seen. Because now they're stuck with kids in a the, in the, in the marriage. So... I don't know what choice is right or wrong, but I'm happy with mine because I'm happy I got to see the world and I got to go to school and I was in the service and I served my country and I wrote a lot of books and I did a lot of stuff before I ever had a, a marriage and kids. So to me, that worked out the way I wanted it to work out. And I'll deal with being older and having to run three miles and, and feel the cheeseburgers that, you know, that hit me when I was uh, younger. I don't feel the cigarettes anymore because after 15 years, you just don't feel them anymore. Thank God. 
But, you know, it's still in your brain that you're like, wow, I wish I could have a cigarette. But I never went back. Never once. Never cheated. Never once. And I'm happy for that. Just for the kid's sake, if not my own. Gives me a chance to be around a little bit longer. That's what I wanted to do that for. So, again, those choices that people make, there's a lot of them that we make, whether they be professional or personal or, or artistic, that can be made without a judgment of right and wrong because they're just about timing about what the person feels is the best timing for them. That's really it. You know? She chose head on to write, go into it, get married, have kids, still write it, do this, do that. I mean, her plan didn't change artistically. All the other stuff happened. She still went on full force into it. That's what she did. You know, is it possible that, you know, all the all the duress from all of that shortened her life? Yeah, it is. You keep smoking, you keep eating all the time. It, it, it's going to catch up to you. Especially since statistically, even back in her day, uh, women lived to 75, 80 years old. I mean, to die as young as she did is just... Not only a tragedy, because, you know, the way she was writing, she probably could have got 10 more novels in if she had the kind of lifespan she should have had. But who knows if if she wasn't married with kids, what kind of writer she would have been. Because she still would have had that crazy mother. And that was probably one of the, the, the worst enormous things in, in negatively in her life. You know, she would have had other books she never even wrote then if she didn't have the kids and have the marriage and all that sort of stuff. So... Whatever whatever her destiny was, she helped shape it by the choices that she made. And that's just the way it is. You know, and if you look at her entire creative life, it makes it makes sense from the choices she made and what she did do. So yeah, I, I, I see I see the uh the logic and the and the merit and what she was trying to uh, to accomplish. It's unfortunate that she had to leave us so soon, but we do have a work at which makes writers eternal, good work. And also, we have the kind of life that she has. Remember, this was not somebody uh, that uh, that was drinking and, and on drugs. This was not somebody that was running around on her family. This was not somebody that was ignoring her children. This was somebody that was doing her best to be a, a, a good wife and a, and a good mother and a good writer. Those are the things that were important to her. You know, and from all intents and purposes, she, she achieved them all, even with a shorter life. And that's a great thing to say. I wish we can all do that. I wish more people can do something like that. At least when she died, she did accomplish a, a great amount of of work and and and, and style and, and and perseverance and, and and if you want to even call it a a, a certain you know morality that uh, she wasn't going to turn the back on the things that were important to her because of, that she had a stressful life, even though her husband was was horrible. She didn't turn her back on him, and she didn't turn her back on her children, and the hard work that is, and she didn't turn her back on her writing, which I'm sure many in many instances probably put some pressure on her as well. She didn't turn back on her health either. I like the fact that she fought back. She went, got help. It did help her. She was actually on on the psychological mend when she had the heart attack and died. She died in her sleep, taking a nap and never woke up, having a heart attack, and that was it. Imagine that. Died in your sleep. She even died poetically. Amazing. Well, love this woman, Shirley Jackson, an incredible American writer. Go check out her stuff. Reread The Lottery again. I'm sure everybody's probably read it at least once. Read it again. 
it have that much more of an impact. You know a little bit more about her, so you can kind of picture some of these things. Check out The Haunting of Hill House or some of those, those other books of hers. You'll find them incredibly interesting, and also you'll find, especially if you happen to be a female writer yourself, you might find some inspiration that you're not the only one out there, but this is one of the, the people you can point to as, as saying that she was out there to help make it for, for, for you. Even though she wasn't a feminist <laughs> or anything political, she understood that, uh, you know, where comments came from and her as being a woman. She understood that. She just didn't care and, and, and persevered through it all. Courageous and brilliant. Shirley Jackson, another American master in the classic Spotlight series. This is Mark Anthony Rossi, your host for Strength to Be Human. God bless. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.